So you know how y'all raise your hands sometimes? I'm so tempted to wave at you when you do that. I did it to pastor last week. He was sitting up here and he happened to catch my eye. I was outside the doors there and he was, you know, doing that with the thing. So I was like, and he went, he went. All right. Uh, Stephen knows a little bit about that. It's a kind of a context uh, contest with the guys to see if we can get Stephen laughing sometimes. I'm at, back there at that door and I do one of these. it's good to have fun in church isn't it amen Amen. all right well um, Matthew chapter 6 we'll get right into this won't be long tonight Um, we'll talk to you a little bit about prayer oh before I get into that real quick um, I know I talked to the bus captains but those that were involved in the water war Sunday will have a after action report that you guys can give me pros and cons on how things went. We'll do that right after the service tonight. We'll meet in the room just across from the teen room, okay? Ben's laughing. He got wet. I don't know how he got wet. I was just trying to help. uh, Anyways, we'll talk about that. All right, so Matthew chapter 6. So this by no means is going to be, you know, not an exhaustive... preaching on this subject on prayer, but uh, I wanted to look at the the prayer here. This is not the Lord's Prayer, okay? Um, As Baptists, most of you know that, but uh, but growing up, I didn't know that. They called it the Lord's Prayer. Um, This is a model prayer, okay? It's not meant to be repeated word for word. That's why he says in verse 9, after this manner. He doesn't say, repeat for me, repeat for me what I say verbatim and do it 10 times. No, he doesn't say that. Okay, so it's a model prayer and it's a pattern, not the exact word. So first we see um, who we're addressing, okay? Um, He he says, our Father, which art in heaven. Now, again, we already know it's, it's a model. We're not supposed to pray the exact words. So why does it say our? And why when people repeat this prayer, do they say, Our Father, which art in heaven? Why do you say, Our Father, when you're alone? It makes no sense. Right? Because he's talking to the disciples, and there's more than one. So you could say, My Father, or you could just say, Father. But the point is, you're addressing God. So this is an identifier as to who you're addressing when he says, Which art in heaven? Because it's not your earthly father or anyone else or, you know, your pastor. It's the father in heaven. So it's an identifier. And it, it's, it's uh, you know, you want to be, the next words show you that you want to come before him. We do have access to him directly. Look at John 15. But we have direct access to him, but you want to come with respect in honoring him. In John 15, that's not right. I wrote it down wrong. Give me a second and I'll find it. 16. John 16 and verse 23. It says, and in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. 
this was Jesus Christ saying, you have direct access to the Father. You don't go through a priest. You don't go through our pastor. You have direct access to the Father. Um, so we have that liberty. But at the same time, hallowed be thy name. When, when the scribes would, when they were copying the word of God, when they would come to God's name, they would stop. Sorry, just catching an eye of somebody outside the door. I didn't know who it was. They would stop what they were doing, and they would cleanse themselves. And they had this whole process that when they would come to, to that name that they had to do before they could write it. And that was just that, that honoring God in such a reverence and a godly fear of, of him. And um, I, I think of that when um, I think of the word Jehovah. And I, I always stop when I think of that word and I, and I think about God and I spend a little bit of time. I don't use it flippantly. Um, so here, hallowed be thy name. It's sacred. It denotes reverence, okay? When you come to the Father, start with an acknowledgement of who he is with proper veneration to him and worship, okay? Now, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So part of this is looking forward to his return um, and his reign. And I told you this uh, last week. I just, I don't know. When I, I, do, I do pray part of my prayer when I pray to him, I, I talk about this. And I don't say it word for word here, but I am so looking forward to him coming back and reigning amongst men. Just putting down all the skeptics and the wickedness and the, and the, the spiritual wickedness in high places and the politicians and, the, and you know, all, all these people that are anti-God. I just can't wait for Jesus Christ to say, go ahead, bow and just watching them all bow, you know. They're going to, or they'll go somewhere else. Amen? So, <clears throat> look at, um, just real quick, Luke twenty-two forty-two. Luke twenty-two forty-two. So, the other part of this, the, this verse here is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So, it's talking about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and talking about people conforming to his will and not going against him. But uh, Luke um, 22:42. this is Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, before he is going up to be crucified. And he's praying, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Uh, I don't even know why I thought about it, but there's I had a discussion with a Catholic on um, the taking communion, and they believe, you know, that it's the actual blood, body and blood of Jesus Christ. Well, if you read this, when he's saying it, he says, "Take this cup," when he's and drink of it. I said, "Oh, wait a minute, is it? What's the cup then? Is that the body? Is that the blood? What, what is that? Because we're taking it literal, right? <laughs> oh, you can't take that literal. So wait a minute. You can take the rest of it literal, but you can't take the cup literal? So that's just beside the point. I don't even know why I thought about it. But, but anyways, he says, not my will, but thine be done. And so it's important that when we go to him in prayer, that we're praying according to his will. I'm going to look at that in a little bit. Um, but pretty simple. Uh, a lot of times we pray just for what we want. And sometimes that's not his will. You know, so when we go to prayer, we need to have that in mind 
And you may not always come out and say it, you know, not, not my will, but thy will be done. But if you're asking something that you're not sure of God's will, then yeah, pray it. Hey, God, I'm not real sure what you want here, so it's not, this is kind of what I want, but I want your will first and foremost. So that's fine to pray that and, and seek him, but that's, what, that's the heart you want to have while you're seeking him, amen? Now, verse 11, <clears throat> give us this day our daily bread. Um, God's our provider. He desires to bless us. It's okay to ask him for things. But when you read on in this passage, you realize that he already knows what we have need of, right? But um, look at verse 33, and we'll look at this again in a bit. So the the prior verses are about, you know, people worried about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink. And God says, hey, don't, don't worry about that. Take no thought for that. But, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Um, Yes, he knows what we need. Turn over to James chapter 4. But it's an acknowledgement of him being the provider that all good things come from down from the Father of lights. It's an acknowledgement that we are seeking him, and everything we have that's good comes from him. And we are trusting in him, and we are relying on him. Amen? James, book of James, chapter 4. Verses 13 to 15. Go to now, ye ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So here again, this is much in the same respect of, you know, yeah, does he know we need that? Um, Yes, he does. We're praying according to his will. And we're acknowledging that our life is in line with his will and, and what we need and what we're doing. Um, so, you know, asking him for the, the daily bread. I mean, he has it here in the prayer, so he expects us to come to him with that acknowledgement that, um, that we do need him and it is him. Um, you're not out there making your money on your own. It's not you. It's God blessing you, and if he wants to, he could take it away like that. And, you know, Paul, Paul said, you know, I've learned to abound and uh, learned to be abased, and we need to be content in whatever state we're in easy to say when you're doing all right but we need to be content wherever God has us but he will provide for us if we seek him first in his kingdom seek ye first kingdom of God amen all right uh, let's move on um and in along with that I just I wrote don't do it in your own flesh that kind of goes along with James they were they were deciding in their flesh how they were going to make gain and how they were going to get rich. I'm going to go in this city, or I'm going to do this, and I'm going to sell this, and I'm going to make this much money. You better think twice about that. Is that what God wants you to do? And, you know, I've heard it so many times of people making decisions based on money, and, you know, we're going to go here, we're going to move here, I, I got this promotion, and, uh, you know, I would, I would second-guess that promotion if it's taking you out of church, you know? 
God doesn't want that. So don't do it in your, fe- in your flesh. Put God first, and he'll supply your needs. So I, just, um, we're not going to go there, but Habakkuk chapter 1, I call that, that chapter spinning your wheels. It's talking about how they were supposed to be building God's house, and instead they built their own houses. They had time to build their own houses. He says, you know, how is it that you're dwelling in sealed houses and my house is in disarray? And he says, you know, you toil and you have not. He says, you, 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 put your, you put your money into a bag that has holes. I call it spinning your wheels. And sometimes we get in that rut where we're just, man, I can't get ahead. Every time I do this, I'm, you know, I get this bill and I'm not. Where, where are you at with your walk with the Lord? Because right. if it isn't right, he may want to bless you, but you're preventing him from blessing you. And so that's why I call it spinning your wheels. Like you're trying to get ahead, but you can't, but you haven't put God first. Make sure he's first and foremost. All right. Uh, verse 12. <clears throat> you know, I hear the baby crying. It's just seen all those kids. A good day on the buses today, by the way. Good, good job there, uh, bus workers. We had over 60 kids today um, just on the buses, so not counting our own. So I don't know how many were out there. But uh, that was a blessing. So a couple people remarked on it. It was so good to see all those kids. And amen. God is good. Um, verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, we're going into Rick 101 here. So uh, I'm going to give you what, how I think this is. Dulcie's laughing at me. <laughs> um, so... Hear me out through this, and then, see, and then you'll see where I'm coming from on this. A lot of people read this and say, oh, okay, well, let's just forgive us our sins, and we forgive our, you know, people that have sinned against us. Well, yes, but this portion of the Scripture deals with relationships. It's important that your relationships are right with God and others to have your prayers answered. Okay? And this is the beginning of that, saying, uh, you know, forgive us our sins. Okay, so... You're acknowledging that, that, that you have sinned against God. You're, you're making sure you have no unconfessed sin that you're harboring, okay, that, that you're doing, because that's, that's going to be a hindrance between you and God, between your relationship with God and others as well, because we're to forgive others as Christ forgave us, right? And here's why I, I believe that this, through the rest of the passage, is, is dealing with the same thing, is because we're going to end the passage in the same way. Um, and verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Um, Lord, direct my paths. Okay, this evil that you see here, now I have them out of order here, evil and temptation, but we're ask, asking for protection um, and help us not to, to succumb to the lust of our flesh. Uh, real quick, look at uh, Romans 8.13. Romans 8.13. Keep your hand there, and Matthew will be right back to that. So, <clears throat> the reason I, I, one of the reasons I believe that the past, the rest of the passage is dealing with the relationships is God will tempt no man, according to the Book of James. Right, man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. God's not going to tempt you with sin, okay? He'll test you, he'll prove you, but he's not. So why pray, lead us not into temptation? Because it's not, it's not what, what we're thinking, what it, 
when you just first look at it, it's not what it sounds like. Lead us not into temptation. So are we asking him not to uh, put us in a lustful situation or in a sinful situation? No, because he's not going to do that. The Bible says he won't do that. We know that he won't do that. So it means something else. So we'll read on here. Now, we started out with the forgive us our debts. And now we're into lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse 13 says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So here, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I, th- I think I, protect me from my own self, this temptation and, and this evil. So the evil here could just mean judgment. Because the, the, the word in the Greek is paneros. And it's a um, toil, anguish, pain, or hurt. And it's actually protection from the effect or influence of evil. And the evil is not wicked like the devil, demonic. It it just means like hardship. So it's judgment. So God, you say, well, God's not evil. No, but if you read the scriptures, you'll see where God pronounced evil on someone. What does that mean? He pronounced judgment because of sin or unforgiveness. So <clears throat> think of it as going through a tougher, bad time. And, and they're saying, you know, hey, forgive us our sins and don't judge us. That's what we're looking at here. And so he, they, and then the, the requirement there is we'll forgive others that have sinned against us. In other words, we're going to have mercy. Please have mercy on us. Okay. So the evil's not wicked, demonic influence all the time. You have to look. There's several different meanings of that word in the Bible. In this case, as I said, it's poneris is the Greek word, meaning from the effect or influence of, of harm. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like a wicked thing. And then we know it's not because God's not going to lead us into that. So why would we have to ask him, oh, please don't lead me into this wickedness? No, if we go into wickedness, it's because we chose to. Yeah. Right? So the temptation, uh, the Greek is uh, per, perasmos, okay? And go to James chapter 1. I just I want to read this. I've, I've referred to it, but I want you to see it. This is where it is, James chapter 1 and verse 13. That way you know, I told, told the guys at the jail today, as I get older, especially, but... Even when I was younger, I'm terrible at the address. I can't remember the numbers. I invert them. I get them mixed up. Um, I don't know if you ever, if I said this from the pulpit, but when I was in high school, I could never remember my locker combination. I had kept going in the office. What's my combination? And they're like, serious? Again? And I was like, well, you know, I only went once a week, so it was hard to, you know, it was hard to remember. But... It didn't go that often in my senior year, but then I, I had it so bad, I couldn't remember which locker it was. Kid you not. So finally what I did was I found there's a couple lockers that you could kick open. That's the one I got. So I knew which one was mine because i just go through and kick them until it opened, and that was mine. Then someone steal her stuff? It was just books. I didn't care. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's, that was me back then. See, but it affected me negatively now because I didn't try and remember the numbers, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, look at verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. 
Well, then why would we pray? Lead us not into temptation. God's not going to lead you into temptation. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So, I don't know if you ever heard me pray before, but sometimes I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, keep me from my own self. There's temptation. There's lust involved in all that. Lord, keep me from my own self. I'm not worried about God leading me into that. But... I would be concerned about God's judgment. You ever fear that? When you sin or you have a problematic sin that you're struggling with and you do it again and again and again, at some point, God's going to drop the hammer. You ought to be fearful of that. But at the same time, when we're forgiving others, God is very forgiving with us. So... And it's his goodness that leads us unto, unto repentance. And so um, God is so good. I mean, see, we'll talk about that at the end here, but just his long suffering and his forgiveness and just his mercy with us. Amen. Um, <clears throat> where are we at here, James? Uh, I'm going to move on just to... So the temptation, perasmos, um, it means a putting to... To prove or test in the sense of discipline, implied rendering is adversity. Adversity. So you're asking not to have that judgment and go through the adversity that would come with it. Okay? So keep this thought in mind. Adversity through a judgmental discipline uh, may be in response to our sin or unforgiveness. I'll say that again. <clears throat> adversity through a judgmental discipline, may be in response to our sin or unforgiveness. So let's look at the next verse here. Um, Well, let me finish off verse 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's all God's people. It's all him. It's all about him. It's for him. So when you're praying, keep that in mind when you're praying. Is what you're praying for for his glory? Is, Is it going to glorify the king? Is it going to further the kingdom? Why are you praying for it if it's not? I mean, not every single thing that you pray for can be directly related to, say, uh, winning a soul or that kind of thing. But, you know, there are things that you can pray for that are going to help better you to be a better Christian. Um, Providence of things, you know. Um, We're going to talk with Stephen. I pray for him, you know, for um, sales with with his business. Why? Because he's a wise steward of what God gives him. So I pray God blesses him. So that, that he can, you know, use that for God's, God's glory, to provide for his family, but to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing to the church, um, you know, and there are other people. Um, where's Brother Doug? Is he in here? How could I miss you? There he is. He's buys, buying some of the Bibles, him and Billy. Um, I don't know if you know this, but so far, I would say 90% of anything that's been invested in the jail ministry has come from those working in the jail ministry. They're buying, and the, I mean, you say, oh, that's not that much, you know, it's only a $10 Bible. Well, try buying 50 of them. Yeah. And the ones that we're buying, the, the ones most we hand out are like $5 Bibles, but he's been getting some better ones because some of the guys can't, they're really tiny writing, and so we've been getting some better ones that are 10 12 $13, so um, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, I pray for my brothers and sisters for their... Um, Blessings, God's blessing in their life. Amen. Amen. 
Now, so it's, it's about God. It's, it's, so keep that in mind as you, as you pray and with, with the end result of glorifying him. Amen. Now, here's the telltale reason why I believe this dealing with relationships. Look at verse 14 and 15. Now, the end is amen, right? But then there's a contingency in verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, the word for a lot of times, and in this case means because, right? So if I go to jail for stealing, I'm not going there to learn how to steal, although I probably could. I'm going there because I stole. Because I stole. So this one here says, for or because if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, we know that if we're saved, our sins are forgiven, right? We just said he's not going to forgive you. So what's that mean? Judgment. Judgment. So uh, book of James, again, go back over to the book of James chapter 2. So he wants to bless us. He wants to answer our prayers. But then he puts a contingency here and says, hey, if you're not forgiving others, then I can't forgive you and I have to judge you. We call upon God to judge us from our unmerciful character, if you would. If we're not going to forgive others, then God says, man, you did the exact same thing last week. So now I wanted to answer this prayer and give you this, but you just, you just reprimanded your brother and you're condemning him. Now I have to judge you. <clears throat> so relationships, getting your relationships right. James chapter 2, I'm not there. <clears throat> In verse uh, 13, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. There it is. He wants to have mercy, he wants to bless you, but if your relationships aren't right with your brothers and sisters in Christ and other people, and your relationship's not right with God, you're hindering him from blessing you. He wants to bless you. And that's, that's all God wants to do is give you what's good for you, what's right for you. Sometimes it's judgment. Sometimes you need to be spanked, if you would. Sometimes we need a little bit of purging in our life to get some things out of our lives. You know, we talk to the guys in jail, and they're sitting there in their striped pajamas. And I tell them, okay, you know, if, you, if you've asked Christ into your heart, you're a child of God. You can never, ever lose that. But... I said, you were not a Christian when you did whatever you did that you ended up in jail. You weren't acting as one. So sometimes God gives us a wake-up call. It's not always the case, as Doug said today. Sometimes you just got there on your own. But God can use that as a wake-up call. But as Christians, he says that he will um, chasten every one that is a child of his. It says, if, you're not, if you never have gotten chastened from God, then you are a bastard. You're not one of his. Okay? So that's how the same, he's a loving father. Some of y'all that, that have children here, when your child does something wrong, you scold them, you reprimand them, you apply the rod. Why? To correct them so that they can better themselves and walk in the right way. You know, your kid wants to play with a rattlesnake. Well, he's got to learn sooner or later. No, you're going to correct him. You're going to pull him away 
protect him. And let's say you come out the next day and there he is poking the sticks at another rattlesnake. What happens then? He's, he's going to get scolded in a way, probably starting at his bottom, right? Why? Because there's an infliction of, of a little bit of pain there, not causing a permanent harm, but enough to remind him, that's bad, I don't want to do it. And that's the sense of, of, that, of the words in there with that, the, deliver us from um, evil. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's, that's the harm. We don't want to go through that. So you're praying to not have to do that, not have that judgment. So part of it is, okay, please forgive me as I've forgiven others, okay? Um, so now, real quick, let's go through some do's and don'ts of prayers or conditions and hindrances. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7, for sake of time, we won't go, go there. That's the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, take not his name in vain. Go back to, if you're there, uh, Matthew chapter 6. And we read this in verse uh, 5 through 7. Um, they're praying out in the streets, the hypocrites, right? So you're not supposed to do it as an open show. But then he also says um, in verse 7, And when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. I had to clear something with God just now. So the, the other night, and if this hits you, it hit me when I was young in the Lord. Don't take it wrong. Use it as a learning lesson. So the other night I was, I was sitting and I was listening to men's prayer. And there was a prayer that was maybe three minutes long, and it used the Lord's name 30 times. Vain means nothingness, lightness, without regard. If you use the Lord's name 30 times in three minutes, you're not regarding his name. We all do it. I've heard it. I've heard many people pray. Oh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we just pray for so-and-so, Lord, and we pray that you would help them, Lord God. Oh, Father, please help them, Lord. That's, that's in vain. We're not regarding him. That's what I prayed just now. Lord, I'm going to use this as a teaching aspect. Please forgive me for doing this. We need to be cognizant that we are talking to God. You wouldn't come up to someone, uh, you know, uh, if, if Celie came up to you. What's your middle name? Uh, Chapman. Chapman? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Would she come up and say, hey, John, Chapman, hey, Dad, <laughs> Father, good old she boy. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't address you like that, right? If she really wants something, Daddy, please. That's Abba, Father, right? That's an endearing term. But a normal conversation doesn't do that, you know? I see David, you know, before church and say, hey, David, how's it going, Mr. Brown? You know, it's stupid. So why would you do that to God? Because you don't really think you're talking to him. 30 times in three minutes. Okay, we need to be cognizant that God is listening. We are talking to him and we're supposed to approach him respectfully. Yes, we do have direct access, but we don't want to use his name flippantly. Amen? Amen. So think about that when you're praying. And really, like I said, when you're praying that that our Father, which if there's only one of you, don't say our. You can say, if you really mean it, you can say, my Father, I'm coming to you now. Or you could just say Father. You think about it, just real slow. Father. Isn't that a lot better than our Father, which art in heaven, hell of you? 
Which one do you think he likes? Come on. That's the heathen do with vain repetitions. Remember last week I said they don't send me out, say 10 Our Fathers and 5 Hail Marys. Halfway through the first one, it's like, really? You didn't hear that? Why do I need to say it 10 times? It doesn't make any sense. And we can make fun of them, but we do the same thing when we use his name over and over and over again. Or we pray the same prayer over and over and over again, just like, just like they do, right? So we don't, want, we don't want to be ineffectual. We want to be genuine. Um, so now, uh, let's see. You need to pray according to his will. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Get finished up here. Rachel saw my little notebook earlier and thought that I would be done quickly. I'm almost done. First John in chapter 5, look at verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. <clears throat> and, we, and if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the peti- petitions that we desired of him. So getting answered prayer, you have, to, you have to ask according to his will. And in James chapter 4, it says, you know, you ask and have not because you ask um, according to your lusts. So there are people that are asking for things. They're fighting. They're, they're striving for, for kingdoms and land and whatever it is. So he says, you ask and have not because you ask according to your lust. You need to make sure when you're asking God for something, it's not according to your lust, but according to his will. And the Bible says if it is according to his will, you will have it. So the topic today was, why don't I have a million dollars? If you could handle it, he'll give it to you. If you could use it for his honor and glory to further his kingdom and be a blessing to others, he will give it to you. And some of you are like, oh, I promise I will. I promise I will. He knows you better than you know yourself. <laughs> Amen. I, and as Pastor said, man, I, I would hope, to, man, I, you know, many of you become millionaires and use it for God's glory. Amen. But, you know, who knows? Some of us maybe will. Some of us won't. But anyways, uh, not according to our lust, but according to his will. Um, well, we already looked at it, so I'm not going to go there for sake of time. But John 15, he says, you know, you go to the Father. You go directly to the Father when you pray. Now, is it wrong to sometimes pray to Jesus or even to the Holy Ghost? They're all God. They are. But when, he, when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he said, go to the Father. So that's what we do. We go to the Father. Amen? Now, you go in Jesus' name. <laughs> you don't have to end every one of your prayers in Jesus' name. What does it mean? In Jesus' name means that it's you're representing Jesus' best interests, his kingdom for the furtherance of his kingdom. It would be like, um, you know, if pastor sent me, and he's done this before where he has sent me somewhere, and I will tell them, hey, Pastor Brown sent me for this. I'm representing him. So it's in his name. You understand? So when you pray, you're going to the Father and saying, hey, this is for Jesus' kingdom. It's in his name. You don't have to end every prayer. It's not wrong to end a prayer in Jesus' name, but just, again, don't do it flippantly. Know what you're speaking when you're saying it. Amen? All right. Um, 
according to his will, for instance, confess and purge all known sins. Psalm 66, 18. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Ooh. Now, what does that mean? God hears everything, right? Uh, was it Psalm 139? You know, he, he knows every, everywhere I'm at. He hears every, every idle word. He hears it. So what's it mean? He will not hear me. It means he's not going to answer you. He's turning off. He's turning you off saying, yeah, I hear you speaking right now, but all I can see is that sin you won't let go of. Okay. So we need to get rid of that known sin, and that ties right in with that prayer in Matthew. For, forgive us, our, forgive me my sins, as I forgive those that have sinned against me. Why? You're getting that relationship right with God. So the relationships. We've already talked about um, the sin between uh, yourself and others. Um, Matthew chapter five says that if you're 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 bringing a sacrifice or, or a gift to the altar, he says if you know that your brother has ought against you, to leave it there and go get that right now. And we're, again, for sake of time, we're not going to go there. But it says, if you know your brother has ought against you, it doesn't say you have ought against your brother. So ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in a spirit of meekness. If your brother is not right with God or has something wrong, either with God or with you, you need to mature up. You need to go to him. You say, well, I don't have a problem with him. He's got a problem with me. You need to be the one to go and talk to him. Because if he's got a problem and he's not quite right with God or something has offended him, he's not going to come to you. But God wants that thing mended. So you take the step, a brother or sister, and you go talk to them. And he says, then come back and offer that, that gift at the altar. Getting those relationships right. First um, Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Again, we're not going to go there because we were there last week and pastor was there as well. Husbands and wives. He's talking about having that, that relationship right so that your prayers be not hindered. If, you're, if your marriage relationship is not right, you're not rendering due honor to one another. Um, husbands, you're not dwelling with them according to knowledge. The Bible says your prayers will be hindered. So if you don't know what that means, you best find out. Dwell with them according to knowledge. They're the weaker vessel. They're not the lesser vessel, guys. Don't treat them like that. You're to, you're to render, the, you're to give them honor. You guys are a team. God sees you as one. They're between one flesh. <clears throat> Amen? Um, look at Proverbs 28, 19. Proverbs 28, 19. That's not what I wanted. 28.9. Proverbs 28.9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. You think about that. Someone who refuses, it's not necessarily meaning, oh, I'm... I heard it, but I'm not. It's meaning you're not regarding what's being told you in God's word. You're not doing what's being told you in God's word. You disregarded it, so you refuse to hear it. To, you know, a dull ear. 
And God says, well, if that's the way you're going to be, I tried to show you what you needed to do and you didn't want to do it, so stop praying that stupid prayer. I've heard you pray it a hundred times, but you haven't corrected what I told you to correct. You have to, you have to listen to what he's telling you in the word. You have to be in the word and living according to it. Put God's word in you, in your heart. Psalm 119, verses 9 through, through 11, right? It says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? The word of God, folks. By the word of God, by taking that word of God in. And don't just hear it, but do it. James chapter 1, verses 18 through 22 talks about being a doer of the word. And that will open up God's gates of blessing. Keeping his word and doing his word. That's what he's talking about there, about, about hearing it and doing it. Amen? Amen? So make sure your relationships are right. Spend some time thanking him, praising him. Um, make sure that the prayer is not all about you. Okay? Really, if you're seeking God with your full heart, in Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek for him with your whole heart, you know, he, you will find him. If your whole heart is all about God and, and, and your whole life is all about God, then there's going to be this relationship where it's just synonymous, where God's blessing you, you're walking with God, you're, and you're doing what he wants you to do. So give, acknowledge him and acknowledge his goodness and his blessings, his mercy. Spend some time with that in prayer. So the prayer is not all about just a wish list. Amen? All right, that's it. We will pray. I'll be careful not to take his name in vain. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible if I prayed and said his name like a hundred times? <laughs> you idiot. Yeah. All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, Heavenly Father, we do give you all the praise, honor, and glory for everything you do in our lives. We acknowledge that it's you that gives us the blessings. We ask you to guide us, direct us, and help us to walk according to thy will. We ask your protection over us and over this ministry, over our pastor and, and Mrs. Brown and Stairway, away. And I just pray that uh, you, would, you would have your will and your way in our hearts here at this church and that we'd be doing thy will. Help us to reach this community for your sake. Amen. All right. You are.